0: Welcome, everyone, to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey, everybody. It's your girl, Wren Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone. And your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all your sisters and brothers in spirit there is love in the world all around to be found regardless of the density of darkness that infiltrate the thoughts and minds of mankind for we must know y'all deep down in our souls that the divine love of the living God is what we were created from whatever in life we may encounter and if we ever tend to doubt that or seem to have forgotten all we need to do is connect with our individual, mighty High Am presence for loving reassurance and confirmation. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life. And y'all be loved.
1: Socrates was a great soul, a mastermind, and his soul radiation was very powerful. But Jesus was still greater in his soul radiation. He had through ages of discipline and thought projection in word and deed, made himself a master scientist in the mental and spiritual worlds. His soul radiation or aura was so powerful that it perpetually stimulates to greater achievement and thrills with new life, all who enter its sphere of influence. Thought transference is an accepted fact to many persons, and it is sustained by the recent tests in measuring the force projected in the process of human thinking. Machines have been invented so sensitive that they respond to the thoughts of men and women under various emotions. The results are reported to be so pronounced in their order and regularity as to constitute a universal law in mind activity. This power of the mind to project the results of thinking gives us the key to the work of Jesus in resurrecting his body and making it perpetually radiant in our mental and spiritual atmosphere. As there are dimensions above that in which we live, so there are levels of mind activity above and beyond the intellectual. Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions, that is, dwelling places in mind or consciousness, states of consciousness. I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there ye may be also. With the growth of faith in the mind of the individual there comes a quickening of all his thoughts by the influx of truth. The word of God increases. God is never absent from you. He is constantly taking form in your life according to the exact pattern of your words, thoughts, and actions. God does not do things in us against our will, as the will acts in both the conscious and subconscious realms of mind. However much it may appear that the word is thwarted in its original intent, this is never true it goes on and it enters where reception is given it. In this way men are quickened, and whether we see the result with our physical vision or not, the process is as sure as God himself. A genius is one who lets the full spirit within him speak out, regardless of how different its utterances may be from those of people who have posed as authority. He has absolute faith in his spiritual revelations and fearlessly proclaims them. He is a pioneer and a leader, He listens to his own inherent genius and has faith in his God-given ability. Not only must he listen but he must act. There is a work for everyone who will listen and obey the Spirit. That work is important because it is eternal and brings results eternal in their nature. If you have heard the voice of the Lord and are obedient to it at any cost, you are chosen. Your life is hid with Christ in God, and the way into the kingdom is assured you. This is no fanciful sketch nor does it refer to a theoretical place or condition to be reached in some future state or under circumstances more propitious. This kingdom of God is now existing right here in our midst. It is being externalized little by little. Whoever has a high, pure thought and affirms his allegiance to it as a part of his daily life is adding to the externality of that kingdom among men. Whoever says, I will be upright and honest in all that I think and do, is laying the foundation stones for one of the buildings of the New Jerusalem. Whoever affirms his allegiance to the good, regardless of all appearance of evil, and in dealing with his brother declares by word and act that only the good exists, is building white spires to the one and only true God. Whoever lays up in his mental storehouse the resolve, I will do unto others as I would have them do unto me, is paving the highways with pure gold and a heavenly city of equity and justice. There will be no need of the sun or the moon in the city of the kingdom of God, because God, the good, will be the light thereof. We are the temples of God, of good, and through us is this light to shine, which is so bright as to dim the rays of those shining orbs of the night and the day. Herein is God glorified that we love one another. Herein does the true light shine that we let love and peace and kindness shine forth forever and always. We are to be the very light itself, and we can only be the light by becoming so pure that it cannot help but shine through us. This is possible to the highest and lowest in the world's roster of respectability. We are all the chosen of the Lord and we make the covenant that carries us into his visible presence by laying down the personal man, and taking up the universal man. He it is that thunders in the depths of our soul. Who say ye, that I am? Jesus Christ Heals, by Charles Fillmore, 1939
0: Isis Unveiled, Volume 2, Chapter 2.
1: We eagerly applaud such commentators as Godfrey Higgins, Inman, Payne Knight, King, Dunlap, and Dr. Newton, however much they disagree with our own mystical views, for their diligence is constantly being rewarded by fresh discoveries of the pagan paternity of Christian symbols. But otherwise, all these learned works are useless. Their researches only cover half the ground. Lacking the true key of interpretation, they see the symbols only in a physical aspect. They have no password to cause the gates of mystery to swing open, and ancient spiritual philosophy is to them a closed book. Diametrically opposed though they be to the clergy in their ideas respecting it, in the way of interpretation they do little more than their opponents for a questioning public. Their labors tend to strengthen materialism as those of the clergy, especially the Romish clergy due to cultivate belief in diabolism. If the study of Hermetic philosophy held out no other hope of reward, it would be more than enough to know that by it we may learn with what perfection of justice the world is governed. A sermon upon this text is preached by every page of history. Among all there is not one that conveys a deeper moral than the case of the Roman Church. The divine law of compensation was never more strikingly exemplified than in the fact that by her own act, she has deprived herself of the only possible key to her own religious mysteries. The assumption of Godfrey Higgins that there are two doctrines maintained in the Roman Church, one for the masses and the other, the esoteric, for the perfect, or the initiates, as in the ancient mysteries, appears to us unwarranted and rather fantastic. They have lost the key, we repeat, otherwise, no terrestrial power could have prostrated her, and except a superficial knowledge of the means of producing miracles, her clergy can in no way be compared in their wisdom with the hierophants of old. In burning the works of the theurgists, in proscribing those who affect their study, in affixing the stigma of demonolatry to magic in general, Rome has left her exoteric worship and Bible to be helplessly riddled by every freethinker, her sexual emblems to be identified with coarseness and her priests to unwittingly turn magicians and even sorcerers in their exorcisms, which are but necromantic evocations. Thus retribution, by the exquisite adjustment of divine law, is made to overtake this scheme of cruelty, injustice, and bigotry, through her own suicidal acts. H. P. Blavatsky True philosophy and divine truth are convertible terms. A religion which dreads the light cannot be a religion based on either truth or philosophy, hence, it must be false. The ancient mysteries were mysteries to the profane only, whom the Hierophant never sought nor would accept as proselytes, to the initiates the mysteries became explained as soon as the final veil was withdrawn. No mind like that of Pythagoras or Plato would have contented itself with an unfathomable and incomprehensible mystery, like that of the Christian dogma. There can be but one truth, for two small truths on the same subject can but constitute one great error. Among thousands of exoteric or popular conflicting religions which have been propagated since the days when the first men were enabled to interchange their ideas, not a nation, not a people, nor the most abject tribe, but after their own fashion has believed in an unseen God, the first cause of unerring and mutable laws, and in the immortality of our spirit. No creed, no false philosophy, no religious exaggerations could ever destroy that feeling. It must, therefore, be based upon an absolute truth. On the other hand, every one of the numberless religions and religious sects views the deity after its own fashion, and, fathering on the unknown its own speculations, it enforces these purely human outgrowths of overheated imagination on the ignorant masses, and calls them revelation. As the dogmas of every religion and sect often differ radically, they cannot be true. And if untrue, what are they? The greatest curse to a nation, remarks Dr. Inman, is not a bad religion, but a form of faith which prevents manly inquiry. I know of no nation of old that was priest-ridden which did not fall under the swords of those who did not care for hierarchs. The greatest danger is to be feared from those ecclesiastical who wink at vice and encourage it as a means whereby they can gain power over their votaries. So long as every human does to other men as he would that they should do to him, and allows no one to interfere between him and his maker, all will go well with the world. H.P. Blavatsky The
0: I Am Discourses, Volume 16
1: Beloved of my heart, tonight I bring you, from the heights of cosmic power, again, the assistance of those of the angelic host who love you so greatly, and some of whom you know very well. I wish to remind you tonight that those of the I Am students who have attained the ascension, are members of the angelic host now. Applause! Thank you precious ones! If those are some of your loved ones, your love holds you very close to them. And so the angels are with you far more than you understand, many, many times. As you go forward in the use of this greater love and power of purity of the sacred fire, automatically there will come awareness of the angelic host, and their assistance to you in your outer affairs, because they come into the atmosphere of earth, beloved ones, to bring the sacred fire that does change physical conditions, and that does bring the heaven on earth that is contained within the sacred fire. So, as you remember their presence with you, and their service to the earth, you automatically will become more and more aware of their assistance in your outer affairs. Now they are waiting, and have for a long time waited and waited for wayward mankind to reach up and keep the door open, whereby the angelic hosts could pour the sacred fire continuously enough to be the river of perfection, whereby the outer world conditions are drawn into that sacred fire for both purification and perfecting. Now in the healing which they offer to the people of earth, it comes of course, always through the use of the sacred fire. And their love directs that unmistakably to those who reach to them for assistance, But regardless of how much they offer, if you will train the outer self to reach to the mighty I Am Presence first, and then to the healing angels or the protecting angels, groups of those special activities of the sacred fire can be drawn in and around you in many conditions, beloved ones, that not only protect you, but they will draw protection around those in the outer world who require that protection and are trying to hold to the light the best they know how. Beloved Archangel Michael When you call forth the angels of the protecting flame to ever abide not only around you, but around localities or things that need protecting, there are unlimited legions that can be called into action in an instant, to flash the sacred fire that stands like steel around a locality or condition, or a thing even. And that sacred fire enfolding whatever you want protected becomes like an electrical force field. We can charge that so intensely with power that it will repel destructive forces just the same as a high-powered electrical wire. When you get a strong electrical current, it repels, doesn't it? Those who touch it, either repels them or consumes them. And I want you to feel that the sacred fire which the angelic hosts draw around people or conditions for protection is heavily charged with a repellent force to that which is wrong, because wrong cannot come through their sacred fire. I assure you, when we establish, many times like a wing of flame around a person or a condition, that wing stands there, and when that is once drawn into outer action, it stays there until we withdraw it. So, if there is temporary protection required, these flames can be established by the angelic host until certain work is accomplished. And those who perform that service are held guarded by the angelic host until the victory is attained, whether that be for the individual or the nation or the world. These are tremendous legions, my dear ones, of the sacred fire, who move throughout this whole system of worlds, expanding that sacred fire, drawing it here, establishing its perfection, placing it somewhere else until they build into outer manifestation the outpicturing of the fulfillment of the divine plan. Therefore, those of you who are, through your love to the light and your decrees, working for the protection of your nation and that which is constructive throughout the world, you little dream, my dear ones, how much the angelic host automatically love you because of your service to the light. And that is what makes them constantly receptive and in touch with your requirements, because you are an open door through your calls by which they accomplish the fulfillment of the divine plan. So tonight, if there are conditions, which there are, within your nation and your government, that need both correction and protection, the angelic host are going to be needed within your borders in as powerful a way as you can call forth. And in your coming political turmoil, you will require the angelic host, I assure you, to keep the atmosphere clear enough for people to think correctly. And if I were you, I would certainly call the legions of the angelic host who direct the cosmic fire of cosmic Christ illumination, inner and outer, to charge that illumination, through the masses of the people now, before your elections take place. That's what they require, my dear ones. The masses of the people are confused. They've been so betrayed, they do not know who to trust. So if you will call forth the sacred fire of cosmic illumination to protect them so they know clearly the right thing to do, and then the sacred fire gives them the strength to do it, you help to settle the chaos. You give the protection to those who are standing for that which is right, and you weaken the plans of that which is wrong. So may I say, you should make this year an angelic year. Applause. Thank you precious ones. Beloved Archangel Michael,